Last week, we started a brand new sermon series, Leading Me, and we talked about what the dashboard has and how we can gauge where we are spiritually. Where are we with our friendships? Where are we in growing in character? Where are we in service? Where are we when it comes to spiritual intimacy? What is the picture that comes to mind? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for bringing all of us here this day and thank you for everybody who's watching online or however they might be listening. As we talk today about what it means to see you clearly, to have an image of who you are and what that means and how that changes our lives, may your spirit speak to each and every one of us to what we need to hear this day. God, that my words would fall down so that your words would be lifted up and that we would see you more clearly. Pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen. What is your picture of God? If you were to grab a piece of paper and start drawing, what would that picture be? If you're listening online right now, type it into the YouTube comments so you can say, this is what I picture God to be like. You might want to say to the person beside you, this is who I picture God to be. This is the image that comes to mind. The first time I was asked this question, I was a freshman in Bible college. It was one of our larger classes, all the freshmen together. And we were asked to be paired up and to talk about what image comes to mind when you are told to think about a picture of God. And I still remember what I said. I said, I see God as a referee. I've played soccer. I've repped soccer. I've coached soccer. It's been a big part of my life. And I see God as this referee. If things are going well, play on. Keep on going the way things are going. If things aren't going so well, he'll correct you and smarten up. The guy who wrote the book, Leading Me, who has given us some of the ideas for this sermon series says, I picture God as a loan shark, as though I haven't quite done enough to deserve the grace that I've been given. Whether we're drawing a picture, telling our neighbor, typing it into chat, it's interesting how we view God. Uh, A.W. Tozer writes this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Seeing God as a referee is a problem for me because that means I'm always trying to be completely good and right so that I don't get caught. And a little bit of a backstory, I was never a great player, so I always was trying to get away with a little bit of something. To see God as a spiritual loan shark means we haven't quite enveloped that grace that he has offered us, that we are trying to earn our way back. And God says, you can't do that. My daily prayer for my kids is God help them to know you, love you, and serve you as their king. I think it's a good prayer. I think it's a prayer that will hopefully change their lives. But then I'm asking myself the question, what kind of king do they see? Do they see a beneficiary or do they see a king who is far off and non not present with them. If you've spent any amount of time in church, you've heard people talk about that challenge of viewing God as a father. Some of us have had incredible earthly fathers who we love deeply. Others of us, not so much. If we're at the place in our spiritual journey where we're saying, God, lead me. I want to be led by you. Where would we go without him? How do you view, how do you picture Jesus? for this reason, I'm excited to take you to one of the most popular passages of scripture in the entire Old Testament, Psalm 23. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to this passage to follow along. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the scriptures, you can download something on your device, whether it's an iPad or a phone or whatever the case might be at bible.com slash app. 
And as you're finding Psalm 23, let's let our kids lead us with this video. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalms 23. We want to have confidence in the person who's leading us. We want to have confidence that our political leaders will make the right decisions that's best for us, whether it's municipally, provincially, or federally. We want to have confidence that our teachers understand the subject matter and know the best way to help us understand it as well. We want to have confidence that our boss can navigate these difficult times during this COVID season. We want to have confidence in our medical professionals, whether they're writing a prescription or cleaning our teeth or rehabbing our shoulder. We want to have confidence that Jesus Christ, as our shepherd, can lead us well. And so he gives us this picture of a shepherd. And with your Bibles in front of you, you'll notice right away who the author is. David started out by shepherding his father's flocks, then by leading the nation's army and eventually becoming the greatest king in the history of Israel. While we don't know when this prayer was written, we do know this is a man steeped in the imagery of a shepherd. Whether leading a flock or a nation, David deeply understands the role of a shepherd is to provide, is to care and to protect for his flocks. As the youngest in his family, it was David's responsibility to care for the the sheep while his brothers went out to war. And so one day his dad, Jesse, says, David, take this out out to your brothers and bring back word to see how they're doing. And so David brings out some food to his brothers who are on the front lines of the battle as Israel faces off against the Philistines. And this giant of a man comes down and he challenges the champion of Israel to come and fight him. And the Israelites quake in fear. And here's this young man, David, probably a teenager at that time going, why are you scared of this man? And suddenly people hear about his confidence and he finds himself before the king of Israel, none other than Saul himself. And he says in face to face to the king, your servant has been keeping sheep. And when a lion or a bear attacks, I fend off that lion. And I will go back and I will even kill it to protect the sheep. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to challenge the God of Israel? And for some reason, Saul says, well, if you think you can fight him, Go do it. And then David walks out, armed with nothing more than a sling and a few stones, and knocks down a giant. David understood the role of the shepherd is to provide, is to care and to protect his flock. And God moved him from the pasture to a commander to the palace. If you have verse one in front of you, notice how deeply intimate this is. 
He doesn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. David writes with understanding and a depth of knowledge of what's taking place. The Lord is my shepherd. There is this deep-rooted confidence that God will lead us personally. This is the first time the shepherd motif is used in the book of Psalms. We read descriptions of others that are absolutely true, that God is our king, that God is our deliverer, that God is our rock, our strength, our shield. And these are good, but they feel a little bit distant at times. Shepherds aren't. Shepherds are right there in the muck and the mire with their sheep. They live with the sheep. They lead the sheep. They even start to smell like the sheep. And David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. We are not wandering animals like wolves that are looking around for things to scavenge. We as God's sheep have been bought at a price. We have been paid for. We have been purchased. And we now have a great shepherd who is watching over us, that shepherd who will provide for us, who will care for us, who will protect us. A shepherd walks with us through life's perils. And this imagery of a shepherd isn't just something that happens out on the field. This is an imagery that we can see through theology, that we can see through politics, that we can see through the church. It is not limited to what shepherds actually do, but to who the Lord is and the authority that he has and how he's supposed to act. As we look over the course of scripture and over the history of our lives, we begin to see this beautiful imagery as God is our shepherd. How God loves and shepherds the nation of Israel so much that he takes them out of slavery and brings them into the promised land. In the midst of the desert, they lacked for nothing and their clothes never wore out. Think about how God has shepherded David himself, taking him from the fields, hiding him in the rocks, protecting him from Saul, who eventually was trying to kill him, providing, caring, protecting for him every step of the way, even when he was in the palace. And looking at your own life, do you see God shepherding you? Do you think about your family? Do you think about your work and recognize God's presence leading you every step of the way? Do you think of the challenges that you face? Some people call it the dark night of the soul and recognizing that God was with you even in the life's most deepest, darkest, most difficult moments. And trusting that Jesus will lead and shepherd us. Um, David talks about how God will provide for his sheep in verses one and two. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. There's only two rainy seasons in Israel. And it's the role of the shepherd to take his sheep from the drought, from the desert, from the dust, and bring them to good pasture to find food that will satisfy them. And if you'll notice the plural, he doesn't just do it once, but he does it over and over and over again. The nation of Israel was wandering in the desert for 40 years. For 40 years, God sent food down from heaven. He provided water even from rocks. It says that their clothes never wore out during that time. On the cusp of entering the promised land, Moses, who's leading the Israelites at the time, says this uh, from Deuteronomy chapter two, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's completely countercultural, isn't it? Future Shop, I know, isn't around anymore, but I remember those Future Shop commercials. I want more was their tagline. And it's so easy to want more. I want a new house. I want renovations. I want a new car. I want a new PlayStation. I want new clothes. I want new phone. I want, I want, I want. How often do we stop and give thanks for what God has already given us? How often do we stop and realize most of us, probably all of us in this room, have a roof over our heads, have food in our stomachs, have clothes to wear, have transportation to get to where we need. God has blessed your work and he blessed your rest. Look again at verse two. Not only are the sheep led to pasture, they lie down in green pastures. I had the privilege of going to Israel about 10 years ago and it is smoking hot. And here are these shepherds, these teenage boys, taking their sheep from pasture to pasture to pasture, constantly moving except for the heat of the day. From about noon till three or four, they just lie down. And these sheep in full confidence that their shepherd will take care of them will lie down in green pastures and just chew away while they snooze and the shepherds watch over them. We don't have time today to look at a theology of rest or of Sabbath, but God knows what we need. He knows what it means to take a day off. He knows the challenges, especially if you're a business owner, to take a holiday. He knows how difficult it is to get away. And he's saying, children, my sheep, rest. But a shepherd does more than provide for a flock. A shepherd also deeply cares for his flock. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In one of the early chapters of each of the gospels, we hear about Jesus' baptism. He was baptized by a man named John. By Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is now in prison and John sends his disciples and he says, go and talk to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're waiting for? Imagine you were the crowd and watching this conversation take place and you listen to the question and then you look over to Jesus for his response. And this is what he says. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And after a little bit more teaching, he looks at all those who are in the crowd. His disciples, John's disciples, those who are just listening to this great and incredible teacher. And you can hear this care and this love in his voice as he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden in light. Doesn't that sound like somebody you want to follow? Doesn't that sound like a shepherd, a leader who will give you confidence? Jesus, the good shepherd, is inviting us to follow him, is offering us a path of righteousness. The idea isn't a burden, it's a blessing. And he says it leads to rest. There is a better way to live. 
If I tell the truth, I can have a short memory. If I'm faithful and committed to my spouse, my marriage will be stronger. If I'm dedicated to my work and constantly looking to improve, I'll be a more hireable worker. If I'm a great friend to others and positive, I'm more likely to have friends in return. If I show myself a person of integrity, more doors will be open to me. And if I commit myself to righteousness, then God is glorified. Did you catch that? He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our actions, your actions impact how people view God. The moment somebody finds out I'm a pastor, they look at me different. When people learn you go to church or call yourself a Christian, they probably look at you different. In our Western culture, it's easy to say, well, you know what? You believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And we'll just leave it at that. But that only goes so far. There's something more that's going on. If we walk out in the foyer and you see my kids running up to me and giving me a hug, you'll probably think more positively of me. Wow, Dave's kids seem to really like him. If we walk out into the foyer and my kids say, Daddy, I hate you and I don't want to come home with you, you're probably going to think a little bit negatively of me. But all that happened is I said, you can't have that cookie right now. (laughs) How we act impacts how others view God. And God is saying, as your shepherd, let the depth of my care, the impact of how I provide for you, help you grow in righteousness so that I might be glorified. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He provides for me. He cares for me. He protects me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. If you were to pick up a commentary, the commentator would probably say something like this. We don't know if this is a literal death or kind of a dark night of the soul where things are just going awful. And I ask the question, why can't it be both? And speaking of a literal death, I love what the commentator Derek Kidner has to say. Only the Lord can lead a man through death. All other guides have to turn back and the traveler must go alone. When we think about God leading us, when we think about working with the God who is at work with us, we think about God leading me, the confidence that we have that Jesus has gone before us. Speaking about himself in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus died on a cross for you. Jesus entered the grave for you. Jesus conquered death for you. Jesus rose with triumphant power for you. With confidence, we can take his hand where nobody else can. And Jesus, the good shepherd, leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. The deep darkness that David is talking about might also be us going through a horrible time in our lives. Not knowing what's going to take place next. Not going to know, not knowing if this attack is ever going to end. Not knowing if we're ever going to leave that valley of darkness and once again see the light. When shepherds would move their flock from one pasture to another, they would often lead them through a valley because that's the way Israel looked. And hiding in the shadows, the shepherds had no idea what was lurking there. Would it be bandits who would kill them and 
take their money and their sheep? Would it be wolves or wild animals? Would it be something else entirely? They were always on the lookout, not when something would happen, but how often something would happen. David is no stranger to hardship. After having great success as a military leader, King Saul was trying to kill him. David eventually became king himself and one of his children died a couple days after he was born. Another child eventually tried to kill him and overtake the throne and we don't know what else took place. And yet in the midst of his trials, David continually turned back to God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you have that same confidence? When life goes south, who or what do you turn to? Do you hope that another episode of Netflix will take away the loneliness? Do you hope that running to a bad relationship or pornography will help you feel as though something is better? Do you think the answer really is at the bottom of the bottle? Or do we turn to God and recognize there's something great and awesome and powerful and this is the God that I want leading me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Started off this message by saying, what is your picture of God? And I'd be curious what a couple of you said. Some of you probably said, the Lord is my shepherd and I'm writing or telling the person beside me just that. And you drew a shepherd's staff or whatever the case might be. I'm curious how many people wrote down the word host. Psalm 23 is only six verses long. The first four verses about a shepherd, the last two verses about a host. This is what it says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Nearly every time the scriptures mention food, people will talk about in the ancient Near East, in biblical times, when you would sit down for a meal, it meant that there was loyalty, there was a friendship that was taking place there. And I often think to myself, isn't the same true today? You don't talk to your friends or your spouse and say, hey, who do you really not like? We should hang out with them on Friday doesn't work that way. We invite people into our homes. We invite people out to restaurants. We invite people out for coffee shops or to go on walks and say, let's get to know each other a little bit better. Let's grow in our relationship. Sharing a meal together gives us the opportunity to know somebody on a deeper level. We talk about life. We discuss each other's families and what's happening at work and the challenges and the triumphs that we're currently going through. There's something incredibly beautiful about being hosted by a friend or a family member and just feeling as though nothing else matters at that time. But there is a host who is caring for me. My daughter turns three this week. Next weekend is Halloween, so my wife and I thought, oh, let's have uh, our grandparents over to celebrate our three-year-old's birthday. So we ordered in some Chinese food. We hung out together. There were some gifts that were exchanged and there was this incredible joy. My wife looked at me and she said, I wished tonight would never end. A host blesses their guest. 
sharing a meal can be deeply intimate. Conversations are rich and good and deep. And sometimes we have this idea that God just sort of puts up with us, like we've become that annoying family member who we have to have over for Thanksgiving. But this isn't true. This isn't true at all. God invites you to the banqueting table as a guest of honor. When we read that God anoints our head with oil, it means that he is pouring his blessing upon us. He is proud to call us sons and daughters and thrilled that we are sharing a meal with him. Where enemies have mocked our faith and made our lives difficult, God is showing extravagant love. There is a beautiful feast set before us. Our cups never run dry. The blessing is upon us and a host wants to bless us have conversation, and have an intimate relationship together. Have you had those times with friends or with family members where you're having a party, where it's maybe just three or four of you together and you think to yourself, I never want this time to end. With verse six in front of you, think about how Jesus, uh, pardon me, how David finishes this psalm. I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the God who's at work with you. Will you let him lead you? Do you have the confidence in Christ that these promises are true, that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, that he will provide for you, that he will care for you, that he will protect you, that he will bless you? that Jesus not only died for the universal church, but he died for you as an individual. And speaking about himself as the good shepherd, Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. There's a passage in the New Testament that brings these two ideas together. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three parables in a row. The first parable, you might be familiar with it. He says, imagine you have a hundred sheep and 99 sheep are safe, but you know that one is missing. Will you not go out and look for that sheep? And when you find it, will you not celebrate that the one who is lost has come back and is found? And will you not celebrate with your friends? Tells another parable where he narrows it down from 100 to 10. Imagine you have 10 coins and you lose one. Would you not look for that and celebrate when you find it? And then he wraps up with a third parable. A man has two sons. One of them comes up and says, Dad, it's been a good life, but I want to find my own path. Give me my inheritance now and I'm going to strike it off on my own. So the dad, surprisingly, gives him his inheritance, half of his wealth. The son enjoys life to the fullest. He goes out to the bars, he meets friends, he meets girls, and he has a wonderful time. As long as there's money, the drinks are flowing, the food is great, the friendships are excellent. But when he runs out of money, they all disappear. Rather desperate for work, he looks around and goes back to those same places that he, was look, uh, that he spent time in and they don't have room for him. A farmer has mercy on him and says, hey, you know what, I can't give you much, but I can give you some food if you take care of my pigs. For a Jew, that would be the absolute most disgusting job possible. 
And one morning the man wakes up and he says, the servants in my father's house eat and sleep and have a better life than this. Even if I go back home with a tail between my legs, maybe dad will accept me. He thanked the farmer for what's given to him and he goes back home. And it turns out dad is thrilled. He sees him from a long way off and he comes running towards him, wraps his arms around him, throws a cloak, which is the guest of honor, puts it upon him, kills the fattened calf and starts a feast. The older brother has been faithful the whole time. Here's the music and the laughter and the festivities and is curious about what's going on. He learned from one of the workers, your younger brother has returned and your dad is celebrating storming up to his dad with anger radiating from him. Dad, you're treating him who wished you were dead this way and my friends and I can't even have a steak dinner? With the deepest compassion, his dad looks upon him and says, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Come, celebrate with us because your younger brother is lost and is found again. We have a shepherd who loves us, who provides for us, who cares for us, who protects us, who lays down his life for us. We have a host who wants to bless us, is inviting us to a feast to enjoy everything that he has to offer. It doesn't matter where we are on the spiritual journey, all are welcome, all are invited, and it's more than just a picture. It's something every one of us in this room are invited to. This is the God who's leading us. This is the God who is at work in us. This is the God who is leading every one of us in this room. This is the God in whom we can be confident because he is at work with us. This is a picture of the God who loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Psalm 23. Thank you for a picture of a shepherd. Thank you for a picture of a host. That we know that we have somebody who cares for us, who protects us, who provides for us, who blesses us. And God, may we be reminded of how great and glorious and good and awesome you are. And embrace that well pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.